0: it's only entertainment
1: welcome back to the talking hedge i'm josh Kincaid, capital markets analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast so today we're going to take a look at a report from brightfield group uh, about sweeps. Since we saw during the pandemic edibles taking up a huge portion of uh, purchases and the consumer behavior shift towards edibles during the pandemic. Let's follow up being almost uh, three quarters of the way through 2021. and see uh, sweets on the shelf. To help us do that, Katrina Gogowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the Talking Hedge. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, let's take a look at cannabis edibles trends. A report from Brightfield Group says that uh, cannabis edibles market is expanding to surpass $10 billion by 2025, one of the fastest growing product types, capturing the third largest share of shelf of all cannabis product types. So what we're seeing is that 100 milligrams is the standard dosage in a single packet across uh, state markets. Uh, that's the cap, you know, in the medicals, you can maybe have a thousand, but for adult use, it's uh, capped at a hundred. And so that's 62% of all edibles. And then 18% uh, are chocolate flavored. Um, I think maybe even subcategories are microdosing five, maybe 10 milligrams. People really like that low dosage. Um, I heard Jim Brewer, the comedian talking about really low dosage. So I think that's pretty popular.
0: Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Yeah. gotta start somewhere <laughs>
1: That's right. all right edibles consumer trends um percentage of consumers who report using the product in the past six months gummies um maybe they're called chewies because gummies in some states aren't legal
0: <laughs> of course not
1: yes but chocolate is still popular although i think it's decreasing in popularity which i find interesting hopefully there's going to be more um, you know, healthy alternatives, granola, or something other than just sugar and and chocolate. But hopefully this will be an edibles report instead of a sweets report. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So demographics of the edibles curious dispensary goer is different than other potential purchasers. So the survey found that U.S. edible purchasers tend to be younger, higher educated, and slightly higher income. And also have more likely to have children and be a woman. So they don't want to grab a pre-roll, even though um, I think this, the the number one demographics is still white women, 50 years and older that spoke pre-rolls. Apparently they don't, you know, the the soccer moms that are eating edibles don't want to smell or, you know, have any apparatuses for dabbing or smoking flour or anything else. So that makes sense.
0: Makes sense to me. Perfect sense.
1: They are taking it for daily pain, wake and bake. (laughs) And then stressed out millennials. So, yeah, I don't really do edibles. I think the price points are really high, $20 for, you know, 100 milligrams out here in the West. I think they're probably really stupid expensive in any new emerging market. But, um, yeah, for me right now, I'm taking, you know, a little bit of a flower THC for, for some of the pain. I've got a torn rotator cuff or actually two of them. Um, and then I take CBG powder in my coffee for the anti-inflammatory that really helps with the shoulder. Uh, and then if I go to the dentist like today, which is super annoying, I take CBD for that anti-anxiety, sit in a chair. Hopefully those will all be in an edible soon. Um, but right now I'm just kind of taking this, um, water-soluble flavorless powder.
0: <clears throat> Interesting. That's what I that, do. Uh, that, that's quite a, quite a spectrum there, Josh.
1: Yeah, you got to do what you got to do, you know, just to get through the day. Yeah,
0: anything that's not an opioid works, right?
1: That's right. Edible companies are getting creative to differentiate themselves and appeal to the consumer groups with eye-catching packaging, unique flavor combinations. My wife is a sucker for packaging. Uh, She'll pick a bottle of wine or used to just based on the label. Um, What's your deal? What's your go-to? Is it, is it brand packaging? Is it, what is it?
0: I rely heavily on referrals from people that I know. Oh, hey, this was good. Try this. Oh, hey, this company is pretty good. Try this company. And then I try and find that in the store. Uh, the, the packaging in and of itself to me isn't as important. Uh, I want to know what in is in the package is quality Uh, and i I used to be uh fairly attracted to packaging especially when you walk into my neighborhood store and there's thousands upon thousands of products uh, that are all all very uh attractive and you know that's it's not always the best product so learn my lesson there
1: yeah Yeah, I don't think we're quite at the point where the companies can advertise, you know, and really gain a a loyal audience. But um, this report says that distinctive brand messaging is key to fostering brand loyalty beyond product product attributes and features. But I don't think we're there yet. You can't really advertise yet in, in the traditional way to where you can evoke emotions suitable for that long term loyalty. In traditional like media or advertising, you can do that in different forms. I don't think cannabis companies are are set up for that yet.
0: I think it's very hard, the lack of advertising. Uh, A lot of these products haven't been around for very long Uh, to build that following. I think some segment of this market is experimental. Uh, so you're not going to have uh, brand loyalty for an experimental customer. Um, I think you, you can put whatever you want on the package, uh, but what's inside is going to result in a second purchase, uh, not because the package is pink or green or yellow.
1: Right, and that's the other thing that said is successful edible brands provide consistent products, memorable branding, and focus on building long-term emotional relationships with their customers. Uh, you know, vaping isn't necessarily an edible, but when you have problems with your vape carts over and over and is consistent, that's a problem. Um, you know, flower companies are going to have an issue if the retailers keep selling products that that are you know over a year old. I bought a canagar in Oregon that was harvested a year earlier. I just had a guy show up uh, a week or two ago with a pre-roll that was harvested over a year ago, and we hit it just you know for science, and it was <laughs> bad. It was it was like dust. Um, it was really hard to yeah we had to throw it out. But yeah, um, it's not good. So looking at distribution trends, which I think is important, how you distribute, you could have the best brand, um, you know, the best team, but if you don't have a distribution channel you're going to go nowhere fast. So looking at flavors, um, you know, grape has been popular over time and um, looking at different skews from May to June, you've got some, some gummies again, like pretty much all the way down, (laughs) just different flavors of gummies.
0: Well, I mean, I don't think that flavors are going to vary very much from, say, lifesavers. Uh, you know, uh, the other other industries have put a lot of research into what flavors people like. Grape always very popular. Cherry very popular. Strawberry, uh, and I think you see these trends replicated in the gummy market, the uh, chewy <laughs> market. Gummy market, yeah.
1: Looks like mango is taking it away at around a three, three and a half percent. Um, of market share. So some of the dosage, 90 milligrams takes 37%. So a lot of people are doing this for sleep around one fifth. Relaxation is 40%. Um, and then, you know, small percentage for creativity, exercise, focus, but mostly stress and sleep and relaxation.
0: Uh, agreed, which makes sense. Uh, you yeah, uh, know, I really think that this Demographic in particular would also apply to any cannabis uh, consumption, be it pre-roll, be it oils. Uh, this is why people are using cannabis.
1: Yeah, I, I would extend that to um, why a lot of people drink as well. They want stress relief and relaxation. They don't want to go to sleep, uh, but it makes them pass out. So, um <laughs> Yeah, I would definitely say that there's a, a heavy push. Um, there's a lot of women apparently that are, are smoking during the pandemic. That's one of the new trends that we talked about um, on, our, on our last podcast uh, that is more dominant and younger women are smoking more. We talked about kind of the rosé all day and the Merlot mommy and the push for the wine industry and everything else. So it just seems like maybe there's a shift. Um away from alcohol and and towards cannabis for the same reasons relaxation and stress relief right so some baked good dosages a thousand milligrams what what medical market is that in
0: yeah i I don't know
1: so yeah interesting so some uh, growing baked goods on the shelf um There's some birthday cake cookies, waffle, nut cookies, chocolate, macaroons. These are kind of um, specialty products you don't normally see they'll use in in large, um, you know, uh, bulk. You're gonna see a lot of chewies, things that have uh, a longer shelf life. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that the the traditional uh, stereotypical uh, spiked brownie uh, is this category and they're primarily medical. Uh, I, I don't see a lot of recreational users wanting to ingest the the calories. And sugar and everything else, just to um, j- just to relax. Uh, so I, I see this category is is very niche.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like larger packs are increasing in, in popularity, while smaller sizes like the five milligrams a lost share. Um, maybe that's people just not wanting to go in. People that don't have the option of delivery. i Not really sure what. Um, but again, bulk buying. We talked about that at the beginning of the pandemic as well. Yeah. Uh, Canvas baked goods they've got a diversity in the THC CBD ratio I really like that one to one ratio um, <clears throat> the CBD I take is a 20 to one because I want some THC in there to, to get that entourage effect but uh, the one to one really popular 83 percent and uh, in terms of flavors chocolate kind of taking that top spot at 24 percent um, the rest of them kind of look like a s'more, honey, cinnamon, marshmallow, brownies, peanut butter.
0: <laughs> but I think that that trend would play in the, in the candy industry as a whole. Yeah. Uh, I think more people eat, uh, eat chocolate bars than any other candy, whether it's infused or not. So that, that statistic doesn't surprise me.
1: Right um relaxation is a number uh, one reason why people choose chocolates um intimacy so maybe i don't know they want to get high with their their significant other chocolates are a universal symbol of romance tc chocolates are the most romantic product type with intimacy relationships as a top positioning
0: all right (laughs) oh bright-tailed group (laughs) it's it's not
1: even february y'all Getting yeah. into it.
0: Oh dear.
1: Um. So, a hundred milligrams took three quarters of all purchasing for chocolate. Um. And it looks like in terms of market share, you know, anywhere from two and a half to four and a half percent. Um, throwing in toffee and espresso, mint and blueberry in there for for baked goods. Um, plain Mm -hmm. chocolate thc the most common with 54 percent the five flavors being blueberry espresso mint peanut butter and toffee are commonly paired with chocolate so there you go i think
0: that again true in just the general candy market
1: yeah yeah but again what we're seeing here at least in the northwest between portland and vancouver is that chewies or gummies dominant and that's i think mostly because um of the shelf life, really. I knew really, really good chocolatiers that just couldn't hold, you know, a, a position because the cost of goods sold were too high and the demand wasn't there to try and distribute it and mass produce it uh was, was an issue.
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: So that is it with us. Um, anything that you're seeing in the edibles market? I think most people that I know uh, because of the 100 milligram cap, like Rick Simpson oil or Phoenix Tears RSO, uh, and they'll spread that on something and eat that because again, these, these products are expensive with uh, limited milligrams.
0: I have uh, some issues with the, with the edibles. Uh, number one, calories. Um, and not just because, because I'm a girl or, or concerned about calories in particular, I, I ascribe the same concern about calories to alcohol. Uh, so it's like kind of wasted calories for, for what you're getting. Uh, I don't like the expense of edibles. Um, if you can buy a Snickers bar for 79 cents, you know, why wouldn't you just have, have, a, have a, uh, some flour and the Snickers bar at the same time? So yeah, paying 20 $30 for, for some chocolate is, is painful to me. And then the last piece is the struggle to have something consistent and tasty. Uh, You know, cannabis is an oil and you're putting oil in this product and effectively dispersing that oil uniformly across the chocolate bar can can be very difficult. And maybe that's why the price is so high. Um, And you know, finding one that tastes good, uh, cannabis tastes disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, and uh, you're mixing something that tastes like, you know, stinky, dirty feet into a chocolate. Uh, and, uh, you know, the technology uh, just uh, it isn't really there yet. And I think the edibles, if you find one that uh, is tasty goodness, please, please send it our way because they're few and far between, uh, which, might, which might explain some of the flavors you're seeing and why um, why you can only put five milligrams in a chocolate bar, well, that's to hide the taste. So maybe that's why they're doing that, right? Uh, but anyway, those are those are my opinions on edibles. I know a lot of people like them. I know they are incredibly popular for those who cannot um, uh, inhale either either flour or... Um, or oils because of their medical condition prohibits them from inhaling something. And, and it's a good alternative. Uh, but I do view it as an alternative, um, and kind of a soccer mom product.
1: Yeah. One other thing is, uh, traveling. A lot more people are going to be traveling. They're going to have anxiety. Um, If you remember the story about that guy who smoked too much meth before getting on a plane and then uh, taking off out of the door, down the slide and off the tarmac, I mean, just don't smoke meth. I mean, that's, that's the solution right there. Um, Also don't use too much cannabis. When I was flying, I I can take at least a hundred milligrams, but what I find annoying is they're individually packaged at 10 milligrams. So, and they're childproof. So you can't just rip open these chewies, you know, these things that, that look like packaged little starburst things. And so you're just sitting there like, like, you know, you're like this crackhead ripping these, these <laughs> 10 bags open, you know, so you get to your, oh my God. Yeah. So that's another reason why I stick to just a, a tanker or syringe of RSO, spread that on something that's so much easier and uh, more affordable and just better in my opinion.
0: Yes. uh, The frustration of getting the package open. Yeah. uh, I've been there. I've experienced that. I've even given up. I'm like, I can't even get this thing open.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I get (laughs) my
0: scissors.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I get my CBG in a little powder. It's water soluble, flavorless. I put that in my coffee because I don't want to just be eating chocolate bars. It's too expensive. So give me a big packet of wholesale powder and I'll add it to whatever I need to. Um, I think that's eventually what, what is going to end up being, um, for some of us that, that consumerism okay. uh, mm-hmm. really, makes more sense. I don't know. Agreed. what makes sense for you guys. Let us know in the comments. I think with that, we're going to roll this up. I want to thank my guest, Katrina Golgowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being with us on the talking hedge.
0: Thanks, Josh.
1: Appreciate it. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the talking hedge. Don't forget to like share and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. and I'm your host of the Pop Moms Podcast. I started the Pop Moms Podcast, well, because I wanted to end the stigma against using cannabis, specifically with moms, but also anyone who chooses to consume. I strive for a balance of humor and education, along with some pretty rad guests, to help combat social biases that come with consuming cannabis. Kids are hard. Join me for regular podcast episodes packed with parenting hacks real-life stories, and of course, my favorite cannabis products. The days are long, but the years are short. So roll another J and take a deep breath. Keep blazing and stay amazing.